Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy, Q. Got a tweet from I'm the Pandemic at RNR 920 AM. He said, what I'm looking for is consistency. Like you said with T. Billy, he wasn't consistent. So I'm hoping to see a solid game all the way through from everyone. That's a response to what would you be looking for this Sunday, uh, preseason game number two at Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders versus the Vikings. You can keep those tweets and texts coming in, 69187, keyword r But right now on the phone lines, kicking off hour number two of the show, we have our guy Mark McMillan, a former NFL defensive back, spent plenty of years in the league with multiple teams, and uh, he joins us now on the phone lines. And uh, Mighty Mouse, McGrilla McMillan, it's always good to catch up with you, my man. It was great to see you. It's always great to see you at practice each and every day. And I really wanted to focus in on the secondary and the defense today. We were kind of on the defensive side of the of the field today, but just really looking at that secondary and looking at Nate Hobbs going up against Devontae Adams every day, how much have you seen Nate Hobbs continue to grow as he goes up against great when it comes to Devontae Adams? Um, just his confidence. Um, you know, Derek Carr's talked about it today in the press conference. Uh, you know, Nate may, may get beat on the play, but he's going to be right back up in your face. And I asked him that question, what I think maybe a week ago, you know, what is it like going up against Devontae Adams? And, you know, do you seek uh, to go at him every time he gets an opportunity? And he relished the challenge. And, you know, I, I've been on Nate Hobbs for, for the whole preseason uh, for the first couple of weeks of the camp. And, you know, I just like his mentality, man. I like the way he goes about his business. Uh, you know, he's focused. You don't see him out there joking around or laughing or anything. He's strictly business. And whenever Devontae gets up there, man, he's accepting the challenge, and it's only going to make him better. When you're guarding one of the best receivers in the league and you're going against him in practice, it's only going to make him better and build his confidence. What does it take to be uh, that number one dude? I mean, you mentioned the confidence. You mentioned the, you know, the as, as a matter of fact, he's down to business. But, you know, to be in the league in, you know, snap in and snap out, going up against great all the time, different teams, what, is it, what does it take to be that guy? Um, you just got to have that mentality. You know, uh, playing quarterback in the National Football League, man, is probably one of the hardest jobs uh, besides playing quarterback. And you're out there all by yourself. And, you know, everybody knows that you're out there by yourself. Um, you're usually guarding the best receiver. Um, obviously, Nate has put himself in the position uh, to be the guy that everybody's talking about, uh, you know, through through the first couple of weeks of the, of the practice. Uh, but, you know, to be that dog, man, you just got to go out there and fight. And, you know, it, it's a tough position. But only the strong survive, man, and especially playing cornerback in the National Football League. I know firsthand, man, it's a lonely world out there. <laughs> right, right. You play the the uh, the fans love you or they hate you, depending on what just happened, right? <laughs> yeah. They play uh, in the game, and everybody's like, oh, my God, great play, and he gives up a ball, and everybody all of a sudden the guy's the worst defensive back in the National Football League. So that just comes with being a defensive back and, you know, just talking to him and, and hearing the way he carries himself. Um, he's built for this, man, and, uh, you know, his confidence is sky high. Uh, he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low when you speak to him or see him uh, doing interviews, and, and that's what you want to see out of a guy, um, you know, who a lot of people are looking forward to taking big strides in his uh, second year. You know, last season, his rookie year, he played in the slot. 
Now he's outside a lot. That's what we've seen him doing in training camp. How much can that help him that he got that experience in the slot? Now he's going back to a position that is natural for him because he's played it before, but he, he's got the ability to really play anywhere on the field. Um, playing the nickel spot, you know, I had an opportunity to play in the nickel spot coming from outside and going inside and going back outside. It only helps you. Um, you know, now he's able to see uh, the quarterback more. You're able to focus on the quarterback a little bit more. Uh, because when you're in the slot, man, you're worried about linemen coming around. On, you got to stop the run uh, as well as the pass. Now on the outside, uh, you know, his natural position, he's able to get his eyes more on the quarterback and be focused and be a little bit more comfortable. And, uh, you know, it's only going to prolong his career. Um, if you can play inside and outside, um, you know, it only helps. And we see Charles Woodson uh, go from that position to playing safety. You know, he's able to see the field a little bit more but still be effective. So, Playing that nickel position and then going outside the numbers is only going to make him a better player. Talking right now with Mark McMillan here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, uh, DeMond Cotton's got one for you. Yeah, Mark, can you speak to it a little bit more about switching from the nickel to the outside corner? Because I think with Nate, we're also used to him saying, hey, man, he's just going to play wherever they want him to play. But what are actually some of those difficulties that maybe a lesser player would struggle with? Um, just being able to, uh, you know, stop the run. You know, it's tough inside that nickel, man. You're in the box. And, you know, that's where Renfro makes his money at, uh, in, in that third down or in that third receiver spot, which is really tough to cover because the receiver has a two-way go. And on the outside, it's a little bit more easier. I say easier. People like, man, he's crazy. It's the National Football League. But from a defensive back, man, it's a little bit easier because you can focus more on the quarterback and be a little bit more relaxed, and you can use the sideline as your 12th man, and that was something I've really used to my advantage of using that sideline as my 12th man. What does it take to to have that 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 mentality where you're going to not only try to get a PBU, a pass breakup, but you're also trying to get the ball. You're trying to create that turnover, something that the Raiders lacked a year ago. It seems like they have an emphasis on trying to go and get that ball this uh, during training camp so far. Yeah, they've been practicing a lot on the ball drills. I've been seeing that, um, you know, which is really good. You know, I know a lot of people are like, man, they, I think what well, they may have, what, six or seven interceptions yeah. last year. Yep. Um, you know, that, that, that's not going to cut it in the National Football League, especially if you're a decent defensive back. Well, I think one year I had like eight or nine interceptions myself. So they definitely, uh, you know, got to get the ball rolling. But uh, as, as a defensive back, when that ball goes up, uh, you just got to have the confidence to go up and try to gotta go get it. And, you know, I think that's where – uh, Nate Hobbs is probably going to excel a little bit more at uh, on the outside. I see these guys are really working hard. Um, it's been hot out there in practice, man. These guys are getting spicy. These guys are, are jawing at each other, which is great competition, and it's only going to make these guys better. And, you know, you got to get off the field. When you have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the outside, it changes the whole dynamic of the ball. And, you know, we see it every day when they go against the offense. That ball has got to come out a little bit quicker. Right. You know, you mentioned uh, get, these guys again a little bit feisty. Uh, I was asking Adam Hill. We had him on a little while ago. I said, man, it seems like these guys are ready to start hitting guys that aren't them, right? Do, do you feel like they? you get that sense that they're ready to, to get out of training camp and get into just games against other people or other teams? Yeah. It, like I, I wanted to ask that question today, but, you know, they were, they were young guys. So, it, you know, as a, as a veteran player, man, you get tired of seeing the same guy all the time and hitting them. Usually around that second week, man, you're just ready to fight. And, you know, you'll be boys in the locker room, but, you know, it's the slightest thing. A guy puts you down. Uh, you see Coach Pierce was really getting after it today mm-hmm. uh, with the linebacker group. You know, he felt that they were getting held. You know, guys were looking for calls. You see the coaches were even fired up today. So 
everybody is on the edge, man, and just ready to get after it. And, you know, it's going to be a long season. But training camp, man, it's after that second week, man, everybody's just like, man, let's just get to the season so we can hit somebody. Right, exactly. I mean, it really does look like they're ready to go after somebody that is not in their same jersey. Again, we're talking with Mark McMillan here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Mark's been a long time in the NFL as a corner outside and in the slot. Right now, my man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Mark, you mentioned as the vets, they're going to be ready to just hit somebody on an opposite team, you know, get the regular season started. But for these preseason games, there being only three of them, how important is it for those fringe guys to have good performances in these preseason games to make a team, or is it more about what you're doing in practice? Um, it's both. Um, you know, I remember as, as a player, man, I, I practiced like the way I played the game. And, you know, you see some of these guys really getting after it in practice, and hopefully that transfers over to the game. You know, they have three left. Uh, the veterans are not going to see uh, much time, if any time, uh, to, to say that. But so, the re- you know, these young guys, this is your opportunity to make a team. Uh, and, and I always, always thought, thought, man, that, you know, guys always told me, like, you're not just performing for uh, the teams I play for, the Eagles, whatever. There's 31 other teams out there that get an opportunity to see this film. So you may not make this team, but – your film is going to show other teams what kind of player you are. So these guys are just fighting for a job to be in the National Football League, and you're seeing it. And hopefully we'll see a little bit more out of these guys this Sunday against the Vikings. You know, uh, this week, as I mentioned, or today, we, as I mentioned, we were really on the defensive side. We got kind of up close and personal with uh, all the defensive players and even the coaches. And, you know, one of the things, Mark, that I or stood out to me was the fact that the coaches seemed like they were coaching up the coaches. Like when they called a, a little bit of a timeout, like Coach McDaniel said, okay, one-minute break, and then we'll get back at it. You heard Patrick Graham yell, coaches, 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 and they all huddled up. It seemed like that they were really communicating and coaching each other up. What did you take away from just the coaching staff in general from what you saw today? Um, these guys are ready. Um, you know, these guys are ready. Like I said, you see Pierce, man, he was fired up. Uh, you know, you saw Ryan out there. He was fired up. You know, mm-hmm. that's just his nature. But, you know, these guys have been coaching football for a long time. And, you know, as a coach, these guys are tired too, man. You know, these guys put in a lot of work, a lot of hours. And they want to be able to see these guys go out there and perform the game plan uh, that they've been preparing for all week. So, you know, coaches are on edge. Uh, you know, it could have been hard knocks out there today, man. It was a lot of, <laughs> it was a lot of words out there that, that we can't say on the radio. But I love it, man. It, it's good for the game, uh, you know, getting after these guys. And, you know, uh, like I said, the coaches are fired up. And, uh, you know, I saw a little clip of the, um, a guy, Aaron Glenn, and, and uh, you know, Duke McAllister going at it. Uh, on Hard Knocks from Detroit. So everybody's on edge around the National Football League. And, man, I just love it, man. I I love being out at the practice. And, you know, every now and then I think I can play, but – these guys are moving way too fast for me now. <laughs> yeah, man, they are. They're out there flying around. And, you know, just from being a guy that knows what you're looking for, you know what it's supposed to look like. You've been there, done that. From the defense side of things when it comes to the Raiders, what are, what, what is your takeaways? Are you seeing look like good execution from their standpoint, even though it's not full speed? Um, I'm seeing good execution. Uh, one thing that uh, these guys are communicating in the back end. Um, I'm, I'm always looking at the secondary. The linebackers, obviously, that's a weak spot. Uh, from the last couple of years, so they improved on that pass coverage as well. Um, it's kind of hard when they run, you know, the situational drills, right? And you got a linebacker, or, you know, Hunter Renfro. That's like you can't do that. So you know, as far as the communication goes, um, you know, th- that's that's key. Uh, you know, everybody's got to be on the same page, uh, and those guys seem to be gelling a little bit better. Uh, you saw the last preseason guy game; guys were running into each other on the back end. Uh, even last week in training camp, I saw a couple of guys running into each other, 
And now this week, man, I haven't seen that kind of lack of communication, and guys seem to be getting locked in and focused. You know, that's something. I'm glad you mentioned communication. I said that at the top of the show. I said, man, we heard the C word a lot, especially from Coach Pierce. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Like, he was yeah. really hammering that home, and that's for every reason that you just mentioned. And it does seem like, to, at least to me, the communication was a lot better. Yeah, a lot better. And, you know, as a, these guys are professional football players. You know, it, it's only so much that you can tell these guys, uh, but – one of the key words that we always use on defense, we have to communicate. If we communicate and everybody's on the same page uh, and, and they make a big play, at least we're all on the same page. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that, that's big about this group here. Uh, in the past, you know, you saw in games guys were in wrong positions. Uh, the deep ball were, were hurting those guys a lot. Uh, in practice, I think Devontae Adams made a really good catch uh, today, uh, you know, which, you know, that's Devontae Adams. We expect that from him. But, right. you know, as far as deep balls and the big-time balls on these guys, I think they're doing a lot better of uh, keeping the big play off of them, um, you know, making the guys drive the ball down the field. We saw that today, you know, take the check down and make them line up again. Right, exactly. You know, you mentioned that deep ball, and I started off the show talking about it, and I thought it was great coverage from Nate. I mean, it was just a better play by Devontae, and he's going he's gonna to do that at times. And that's why I asked Derek Carr the question I did at the end of his presser about what have he seen from those battles between Devontae and, and, uh, and Nate. And, and again, Mark, I mean, that's just sometimes, and you know as a corner, sometimes the, the wide receiver just makes a better play, and that to me is what, what happened today with Nate and Devontae. Sometimes you've got to chalk it up, you know, pat him on the back, say, hey, man, great call, uh, great catch. And, you know, obviously there's not too many Devontae Adams that he's going to have to play against. <laughs> right. So, you know, you just, you know when, when you're going against that guy, one of the best in the game, you just chalk it up and, and say good catch and, and just keep it moving. But, you know, as far as, uh, you know, his confidence, you saw the next play, he was right back up in the guy's uh, face, press coverage. Uh, and that's what you want to see of a, of a young defensive back. When you get bait, uh, his head wasn't down. He didn't complain. Uh, he ran back, got the call, and lined right back up. And that's, that's just part of the maturity uh, of Nate Hobbs. And, and as a whole, as a group, I think they're really improving as well. And I would say, you know, John Abram is working hard, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm really pulling that young man. Uh, he, he, you know, he's locked in. You can just see it every day in practice. He is focused, man. He's not playing around. He's not joking around. Uh, obviously, it's a big year for him as well. But I think he's doing a lot – a lot better in practice as well. All right, Mark. A few days ago, you were over at UNLV. The Rebels, they're getting their practice underway as they get ready to start the season. What did you see from the Rebels and Coach Arroyo? Um, I would say the size is a lot be- uh, a lot different. Um, you know, in the past, you know, they wasn't big on the outside or they wasn't big up front. Uh, now they got some bigger size. I see Caleb Plant, uh, Las Vegas kid, you know, transferred in. He's got bigger size. Uh, they got a lot of JUCO transfer defensive backs. Um, that's really going to help these guys step in and play right now. Um, I, you know, I had an opportunity to speak to these guys because I was a junior college guy, uh, but I had two years of experience playing at the college level, so it's definitely going to help these guys as well. And what Coach Arroyo is doing, obviously he's play, you know, he, he's coached the game at a high level. You know, he's, he's at Oregon, uh, so he knows what he, uh, you know, what he has as a team. These guys are really getting after it. Um, you know, a really good group of guys. Um, half these kids that I, I trained when these guys were youth and in high school, <laughs> so it was really good. It, it was really cool, man, to go out there and see these guys and and just you know just talk to these guys and just just be a mentor or, or a sponge, you know, to try to help them out as much as I can. So, you know, it's a lot of energy around the program, and you know, I, I picked these guys to go to a bowl game. I know people were like, "What are you talking about?" But you know, what he's put into that program, 
Uh, they have three solid quarterbacks that can start at any time on that team. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see what they put together. Um, opening night, I think they play Idaho, Idaho, Idaho State. All right, I'm already excited, but just off you saying maybe a bowl game. A bowl game? Yo, I'll, I'll do a backflip. Six wins, studio. buddy. Six I'll wins. backflip if they can make a bowl game. But, Mark, you said that you spoke to the team. So what are some of the words of wisdom that you give those college players to not just make it so generic of like, hey, just work hard, but what are you telling these guys that they'll be able to take with for the rest of, rest of the season? Um, Be accountable. Um, Hold each other accountable. You know, uh, back in the past, you know, these guys were throwing shots at each other, throwing each other under the bus. Um, you know, and, and that was just a losing culture, um, you know, and, and like, you know, we talked about it on this show about communication. Uh, these guys are communicating really well. They're flying around to the ball. Um, he's got some really good athletic players. He's got a really good running back uh, transferred from Louisville. This kid's like 6'2", like 220. You know, he, wow. he's built like a Big Ten or, or SEC running back. And, you know, just try to instill to these kids that, you know, they have a great opportunity here. You know, you've got a coach that's coached at a high level, um, you know, hold each other accountable. Um, there's going to be some, some, some good plays and some bad game, plays in the game, and you guys can't throw each other under the bus, man. And, and you know, a lot of people from the outside are always talking about the UNLV football program in a negative light. And, you know, these guys have to, I just say, you got to change the culture. you got to change the mentality to go out there and say, man, it's us against the world, and whatever happens, if you win games, that stadium's going to fill up. Uh, regardless, and just take care of your business on the field, on and off the field. And obviously, you know, with the NIL uh, deals now, I told these guys that if you win here in Las Vegas with those deals in line, there's a lot of money in this uh, in this town that these guys can capitalize on. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying. You ain't lying about that. There's plenty of money to be had. And, Mark, <laughs> before we let you go, man, I wanted to ask you, because I saw I saw the pictures of you out there talking to the guys like Damon mentioned to be able to come back and do that, you know, to be a guy that's been at the highest level, you played in the NFL, I mean, you're a guy that everyone knows your story, but to be able to come back and share and almost, and I think you even put it out there on Twitter, pay it forward, to be able to do that, what does that mean to you? Um, it means a lot, man. Uh, you know, you hear some of these guys' stories that we talk about on a professional level. You know, I've been through that. I've battled depression. Uh, I was cut a few times, told I wasn't good enough. And a lot of these kids are going through that same thing. And for me to be able to stand up there and, you know, most of the, most of the kids when they saw it, it's like, yo, we didn't know you were really that small. Uh, you know, for them <laughs> to see me in person, you know, it just gives them that extra little ump to be like, man, if uh, Coach did the right things, he followed the rules, uh, he didn't go out and get himself in trouble, and, and he was able to live out his dream. And for me, man, it's a blessing, bro. Uh, man, yeah, I get emotional just talking about it, just knowing that what I had to go through and seeing these young men in that same position that I was in, man, every time I get opportunity to pour into these young men, uh, I'm blessed to be in this position. I know I am. And every day I wake up, man, I'm just fired up. And, you know, all praise to God uh, for giving me an opportunity. Obviously, Q, man, I appreciate everything that you have done for me as well, man, and opened up a couple of doors for me here. So, man, it's just a blessing for me to be able to pour into these young men. And, uh, you know, they were like, hey, you're going to come out to practice more? And, you know, just that. You right. know, for these kids that just want me to come out. Um, and I told them, man, anything I can do for you guys, here's my number, here's my email. Um, don't don't hesitate to call. Don't be like, man, he's smart. No, I'm just a regular dude uh, who drinks – who, I may eat a little different food because I cook it, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just a regular guy, man, that just that happened to play a game that, you know, a lot of guys dream about playing. And I was just fortunate enough to be blessed uh, to have that opportunity. So, 
being able to give back to the, you know, and I'm not even from here, but I, I feel like I'm from here now. Right. I'm, I'm at the basketball games. I'm at the Raiders. I'm at exactly. the LB, So, uh, like my mom says, man, we can't take this, uh, we can't take it with us. So I'm trying to pour in as many people as I can. Man, that's awesome. I mean, it really is. And, and I'm telling you, uh, I can really appreciate that. And knowing that, you know, that is such a good testimony for the, you know, the young guys that are coming up. And uh, anytime they can hear something encouraging instead of discouraging, that's just going to only yeah. help them. So you're, you're doing some great work, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just pleased to be associated with you and knowing what you've got going and what you're doing. But you did mention cooking it and grilling it, and you're grilling <laughs> McMillan. So what you got grilling today, man? What you working on? Um, today, man, I got some. I got a pork tenderloin that I got marinated. Uh, I got my own spices, as everybody knows, called Boom 3.0. So I got that marinated. I got a little olive oil on it, so I'm going to put it on my little pellet smoker. <laughs> yes, I'm using the pellet smoker today, and I'm going to just smoke that thing about 250, 245, for about a good three or four hours, man. And it's going to be nice and medium in the middle delicious baby that's what i'm talking about all right grilla mcmillan where can they find where can anyone find your your stuff at man um just go to grillamcmillan.com um they can also follow me here on, on on twitter as well as well as my instagram page i'm getting ready to launch my new spice uh coming in september nice. um i know uh i know uh I, it's a little secret but it's kind of out there so stay tuned man i, I, I probably have a I'm going to have some really big news uh, associated with the Gordon Ramsay show uh, mm. that'll be on Fox. So stay tuned for that, man. I'll be able to announce that hopefully over the next couple of weeks. There you go. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Thanks for giving us so much time this afternoon, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow at practice, my man. All right. All right. Appreciate it, Q. All right. There he goes. Mark McMillan right there. What a testimony. And be able to go out there to UNLV and – talk to the youth that want to be where he's at or where he was at, right, in the NFL uh, and a big-time player in the NFL. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was on the All-Madden team. I mean, think about that, you know, and that, that was a big – that was a huge deal to be on the All-Madden team. So a uh, shout-out to Mark McMillan. I can always appreciate when someone who's been doing it on the highest level gives back and, and, and looks back to the to the youth that are on the come-up. I mean, that's that's what we have to do. Uh, we all have a responsibility, and, and he is uh, he's doing it to the best of his ability. So we definitely appreciate that. 322 is the time. We'll come back, hit up some text, hit up some calls. Plus you'll hear from Mike Martz. Yeah, he was the engineer behind the greatest show on turf. He was on the morning tailgate this morning. Got some good sound bites from that that I want you to hear. We'll do it all next here. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up in a few minutes, I want you to hear from Coach Mike Martz. He was part of the 33rd team. Check him out at 33rdteam.com. He was on the morning show this morning, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang. Talking about Derek Carr, talking about the Raiders, talking about the offense in general, Devontae Adams, all that good stuff. He was on there. So we got a couple sound bites that we pulled just so you can hear from that, just in case you missed that interview. Really good stuff. We always encourage you to go back to lvsportsnetwork.com. Check out the interview in its entirety. Again, they did a very good job this morning with that interview with one coach Mike Martz but uh, before we get to that I do want to get a couple texts and a couple calls in definitely want to hear from you throughout the course of the show Raider Nation at 702-365-9200 don't forget at four o'clock we'll have Lincoln Kennedy on the show as well but uh been asking the question what will you be looking for on Sunday in preseason game number two we talked about before who the game is important for 
But you as a fan, what would you be looking for on Sunday in general? The preseason game number two for the Raiders. Of course, the first set of cut-down dates come up on the 16th. Got to cut five guys off the roster going down from 90 to 85. So what are you going to be looking forward to, and who are you going to be really paying attention to? I uh, got a couple texts here, one from the 805. I think we put Drake at return man this year. He feels a bit like the odd man out right now. We've already paid him most of his salary. Let's use him as much as we can so we could potentially get a compensatory pick when we let him walk next year. He has the talent. It'd be a shame to pay him all that money and not get him on the field much. Plus protects Renfro if he could return punts too. And that's the one good thing about uh, a lot of these guys that are competing for uh, either extra running back spots or even extra uh, wide receiver spots is that they're out there competing on special teams. And that's what they're going to have to do, right? They're going to have to absolutely do that. Amir Abdullah, he's a guy that's listed on the depth chart as kick returner number one. Keelan Cole, kick returner number two. Kenyon Drake, as you just mentioned, kick returner number three. So that, there's that. You know, we see T. Billy at practice. Uh, Tyron Johnson, we see him out there doing his thing. Uh, there's a lot of different guys. Mac Hollins, he, he competes on special teams as well. I mean, there's a lot of guys that could do a lot of good things uh, on special teams to help solidify their spot as well. But good text about Drake. And he does, to me, feel like the odd man out as well, just because, I don't know, I feel like it's Josh Jacobs. I feel like there's uh, Zamir White. Uh, Brandon Bolden is a guy that's got a two-year deal. He comes over from the Patriots. And then, of course, you've got um, you got uh, Britton Brown. He was a seventh-round pick out of uh, UCLA. I think he ends up being a practice squad guy. But you also have, you know, Jakob Johnson. So, I mean, there's so many different guys. Amir Abdullah. I mean, there's so many guys to choose from. That running back room is thick. And I just feel like right now, Kenyon Drake feels like the odd man out. Now, I'll say this. There was actually plenty of, of practice today, and I don't want to look too much into it, but there was plenty of times where Josh Jacobs wasn't running with the ones. Just throw it out there. There was, there was times where Josh Jacobs was not running with the ones, times that me and Vinny looked at each other and said, hey, man, that's not Josh out there with the ones. And, you know, certain drills require certain personnel, so that's kind of what we chalked it up to. But just looked a little odd. It didn't look like uh, I saw a whole lot of Josh Jacobs uh, today. And when I did see Josh Jacobs, I saw normally him being with number three, and that was Jared Stidham. That's the backup quarterback. So that would be the twos that he was running with. So, again, that could just be the drills that we are watching, and the certain situations require certain personnel. I feel like that they're really rotating a bunch of running backs today because at one point we even saw Amir Abdullah running with the ones, and I don't think that Amir Abdullah is a number one back. But I also, I guess just said, personnel sometimes the personnel d d depends on the situation uh it could change so you know don't want to take looked into it too much but feels like they're getting a, a heavy rotation of running backs just to see who's what who fits where and what they can do got a text from the 806 who's t billy that's tyron johnson but uh his what is it his mom's Last name was uh, is Billy, I believe. I don't want to get the story wrong. Tashawn Reed, uh, actually, he did he did the research on it, and he had talked about it. And somehow, all of a sudden, I can't remember. It was one of the players. I think it was Devontae Adams, as a matter of fact. He was asked about him, and he goes, oh, T. Billy. And then everyone started kind of looking around, and, and so the story came out. But, yeah, it's, it's Tyron Johnson. He, he wears number one. Uh, he's pretty tall, and he's very fast. And uh, he, he, he looks like a guy who could be a player. Uh, he was a guy who got deep in the Hall of Fame game, but he put the ball on the ground. He just didn't come up with the catch. But he did come up with the sideline catch. That was really good. So uh, that's why when we talk about him, we say, well, in that first game, he was just inconsistent. So we'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent. Uh, we got a text from Glenn in San Jose. What up, Q and DeMond? What I'm hoping to see on Sunday is more quarterback pressure for the defensive line. Who are going to be the guys besides Max and Chandler? That's a good question. 
you know, Malcolm Kuntz talked to uh, to the media today following practice, and you know, maybe he's going to be a guy who's going to be in the mix. I think he needs to continue to work on his his uh, you know uh, stopping the run. But he is a guy that I know can get after the quarterback, and you saw him get after the quarterback last year in a limited amount of snaps. He can get after the quarterback, but to get onto the field, you're going to probably have to be able to do a little bit more than just one thing. Again, that's the theme that we've uh, we've come to love, right, with uh, GM Dave Ziegler, uh, Champ Kelly, and obviously Josh McDaniels is versatility, versatility, versatility. you got to be able to get after the quarterback, but you also need to be able to stop the run. So uh, I think Michael Coots is going to have a, a pretty nice role but he's still got things that he's got to continue to work on. And to his credit, he even said, hey, I still got things I need to continue to work on. <laughs> got a text from the 916. Thanks, Q. Now everyone's going to be speculating, saying he's going to get traded. Must be talking about Josh Jacobs. No, I, I, I think that that would be, I think that'd be silly to think that. I'm just telling you what we saw at practice. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't, I've said this many times, I don't believe that Josh Jacobs is going anywhere. I believe he's going to be the, the lead back for the Raiders this year. Uh, Zamir White, I think, is going to be the one-two punch with him. And then you'll have Brandon Bolden come in, kind of play that Jalen Richard role, catch a lot of passes out of the backfield because that's what he does really well. I don't look at him as the guy that's going to be running between the tackles a whole lot. I just don't see that. So I think that that's your one-two-three punch right there. And then you also have uh, Jakob Johnson, the fullback, who's going to be out there. And, you know, maybe they keep Kenyon Drake as well. Maybe they want to have a plethora of backs. I, I don't, you know. Uh, if Kenyon Drake can find his role as a kick returner as well, uh, then maybe that, that holds down his spot. Or maybe Amir Abdullah. I mean, again, you're, that guy's fast. The one thing I know about Amir Abdullah in the, in his, the course of his uh, career is that he's had a history of putting the ball on the ground. And I don't think that that is something that's going to go over very well with this regime either. They're not going to uh, you know, settle for a guy that has uh, or struggles with ball security. It just you just can't do it, you know. So guys that are injury prone and guys that put the ball on the turf are guys that are, are not going to stick around very long with this regime. That's just that's just how I see it. So thank you so much for that text, my man, and not trying to start any rumors or anything. Just letting you know what we saw and trying to give you the the most uh, up to date that we can give you on everything uh, that we're seeing while we're out there at practice. Uh, let's see, we got. A text from Raider Ray 213 said, what up, Q&D? Just want to say Nate Hobbs is going to be a beast. That's my son's favorite player. Can't wait to, can't wait for week one to see the Raiders in my backyard. D.C. and D.A. are going to gel quick. If he gets double teamed, Waller or Renfro are going to be open. And for the defense, the Condor will have another great season next to Jones. I think the Raiders' defense overall are going to have a great one. Let's go Raiders. That's again from Raider Ray 213. He's repping that 213. Isn't that with Snoop? Didn't they have that group 213? You remember that? You don't remember that, huh, Demond? You're too young for that. Not a clue. <laughs> that was uh, Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, and uh, Warren G. That was 213. You don't remember that? I can't, re- can't believe you don't remember them. Anyway, Raider Ray, thanks this for that. This group probably was around before I was born, man. Cut me some slack. No, man. No slack cut. <laughs> Step your game up, dog. Step your game up. You up here at karaoke singing Holland Notes, but you don't know about 213? Come on, man. You can't, you, can't, you can't ride one and not the other. Let's go, man. I'm going to need you to step your game up. Real quick. You, you know the Wikipedia because, you know, Wikipedia is the great, great for resource for this kind of stuff. Okay. Year formed, 1990. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. No way. 213 was formed in 1990? That's what, that's what Wikipedia is telling me, and Wikipedia is a good source. Well, I mean, that's possible. I graduated high school in 94, so maybe. See, man, you would, man, you probably didn't even know these guys when they first started. No, I did. I absolutely did. Because before they were 213, it was Warren G, and it was Snoop Dogg. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was Nate Dogg. 
I absolutely knew who they were. They were I mean they they were individuals before they were a group. That's like saying you don't know Dr. Dre. Have you ever listened to the Chronic? Look, he's pausing. I'm just looking, man. I'm just still, you know, steadily doing my research on two, one, three. Come on, man. I know all three of those guys, but I didn't know they had like a group name or whatever. Did you? Okay. Did you? Did you know Nate Dog? Of course. Okay. Did you know Snoop? Have you? Have you listened to Doggy Style? A couple of songs. I ain't just listened to it, you know, from start to finish. You haven't. Do you own? Do you own Doggy Style? Do I own? Do what kind of man? I don't own anything anymore. <laughs> it's all digital. Uh, you can't. You can't own it digitally. No, is it like sitting? No, then it's going to take up storage on my phone. No, if I want to listen to it, I'll pull it up. But no, I'm not just saving individual albums like that. Unbelievable. Come on, man. Come Get with the times, Q. Uh, I'm with the times. I'm I just in the long run when they eventually take all these services away and then you might not have access to all the music that you want. But until, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Okay, so I'm just curious. Curiosity, you know, has me right now. When was Holland? When did Holland Notes? when were they formed? Probably late 70s, early 80s. So how in the hell do you use, well, 213 was formed in 1990. How do you, how do you use that in a defense when Holland Oates was, was formed probably before I was born? Do I know the album? No. <laughs> I don't know what album that song's off of. I just know it's a good song that I know because it's been in a couple of movies that I've watched. Okay, so okay. that's how you that's how you learn them is yeah, the movie. Yeah, I'm not a Hall and Oates historian. I don't know that. The way you said it, the way you referenced it, made it sound like there was something that you were listening to in the Prius right now. I don't know. <laughs> the last CD that I bought because you're talking about owning music was Watch the Throne. Kanye okay. West and Jay -Z. Kanye and Jay Z. Yeah. That was the last time that it was like I need a CD, so I'm never gonna own anything again. Ninjas in Paris. Great song. Now that's an album, start to finish. Oh man, come on. That is funny. You are too funny. Mailman Raider hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line. Q, that's a great point. Last year, the first game for the Pats, Ramondre Stevenson put the ball on the ground. Then he was a healthy scratch the next three games. Can't put the ball on the ground. Can't do it. Ball security is going to be key for this regime and this team. Thank you so much for those texts. Definitely appreciate you. Let's go. Got one more. Sir Whiskey Ray always comes with the heat. He said, Q&D, it's great to be back from a little family birthday vacation. I will say that I had some unnecessary roughness withdrawals. Glad to have you guys back on the dial here at home. I put some big money down on the Raiders to win it all here in 2022 while I was in Reno. I did place the big bet while four whiskeys deep. I felt good doing it and no regrets. Anywho, looking forward to today's show. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And uh, Metaverse Mike said 213 started as a group before they were famous, then came back together as to do groupie love. There you go. How about that? Metaverse Mike is bringing the details. Groupie Love, is that, is that an album? That was that a great song. A groupie great song. Love. Yeah, you didn't remember that song? That was a great song. Uh, that one passed me by, too. Played all those songs on the radio, man. But uh, Metaverse Mike is bringing the heat. I like that. Good stuff. Uh, Raider Chavez 916. What's DeMond know about the West Side Connection? You know the West Side Connection? I know that's what Ice Cube, right? Yes. Who Boom. else? Who else? The, some of the guys from 213, right? <laughs> no. Oh, no? No. Dang. You don't know who's in West Side Connection? Exhibit? No. Dang, man. Ooh, we. Ice Cube, Mac-10, and Dub C. Ex that's, that was my next couple of guesses right there. I, man, on the tip of my – you took the words right out of my mouth. Man. Wow, three, I was so close. 
340 is the time. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, you'll hear from Mike Martz. He was on the morning tailgate this morning. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Yo, what's up? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your homie Too Short, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, baby. 344 is the time. That's something DeMond recognizes right there. A little, little blow the whistle action. I'll tell you right now, DeMond's getting drugged on our Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Talking about 90s hip-hop and his lack of knowledge when it comes to 90s hip-hop. And that's okay. Hey, man, DeMond's not going to know at all. But it is pretty funny. It just makes me realize how old I am when DeMond doesn't know, well, any of this stuff. So. This is a real West Coast bias showing, too. Um, We are on the West Coast. But I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying the West Coast, you don't know this guy. There's a, two, there's a text on the text line, RBL Posse. Come on now. RBL Posse's from the Bay. I can't believe you don't know RBL Posse. Because name me a hit, that, like a radio hit. That's like it got some national coverage. You ain't smoking no Bammer weed. We don't smoke that in the SSC. Don't give me no Bammer. Yeah, you, I said national now. That was that went big. That was huge. Look, man, when I was in Texas, I learned all the stuff in Texas too. I knew it. I'm not a Texas guy. I'm from the Bay, but I knew. Uh, it's like going to Texas and saying you don't know who uh, Bun B is. Or Pimp C, or any of them cats. Scarface, rap a lot. You know those guys, right? I do. Okay. Because I'm from the South. Okay, so well then, see, you're you, you're too pigeonholed. You need to open up your, you know, you need to open up your mind. Let your mind breathe. RBL Posse was dope. You need to go do some research. I guess you don't know the Get Low players and JT the Bigger Figure and all them cats. Rapping Fote. <laughs> Every name just sounds, you know, more and more. And you could throw a test at me. I feel like there's going to be a name in here, and you're going to be like MC Hootie Who, and you're going to be like, you don't know him. Be like, that was, you don't remember that song? You don't remember I that? Remember that that song. was from, you remember that from Outcast? Yeah. But you're okay. going to say a name, and I'll be like, yeah, I know him. It's like, see, that wasn't even a real person. So I'm just, no, I'm not going to step my foot in it. All right. All right. I could appreciate that. Well, I also could appreciate Mike Martz. He was the engineer. He was the, the, the brainchild behind the greatest show on turf. He's part of the 33rdteam.com. You can check him out. Uh, he was on the morning tailgate this morning with Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, Heidi Fang. They were talking all things Raiders, especially the offense, because, man, he's very high on one Derek Carr. He's also very high on the potential of this Raiders offense. And so it's good to hear from a guy that's been there, done that Super Bowl champion, a guy that's had that greatest, great offense that they had. Again, the greatest show on turf. And so I want you to hear a couple sound bites. We got Lincoln Kennedy coming up at the top of the hour, four o'clock. But uh, here's Mike Martz just talking about Derek Carr in general. When he sees DC, what does he think? Initially, when he came out of college, he's just so talented in every aspect. He can see and digest things and react. Uh, very quickly. Um, I think he's an excellent uh, deep ball thrower as well, which is it's hard to do. I mean, there's not a lot of great deep ball throwers in the league, but he certainly is one of them. Um, I, I do believe that, you know, John Gruden's system is very good. He's a, he's a great coach, but it's uh, it does handcuff quarterbacks to some extent. Uh, they're not going to have great numbers, have good numbers. And, and I think with Josh McDaniel and then with Derek Carr, it's a, I think it's that perfect storm situation. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, I think this is going to be kind of the Cinderella team. And I just think that the maturity part of it with the head coach, what he went through there at Denver, uh, what he's done in his career uh, with offense, it matched up with Derek's skill and ability. And, and Derek has matured a great deal as well. So physically, he's got darn any uh, flaws. And I think that he competes at a high level and he just is in that opportunity now where he's 
got that receiver group, but he also has somebody that knows how to put people in place and get the ball down the field. I think he'll have a great year. So that's Mike Martz right there talking about Derek Carr, talking about John Gruden's system and how it kind of handcuffed him and how he believes that Josh McDaniel's system could really open things up. And, DeMond, if we can, let's skip down to G. Uh, it's basically the last one because he talked about Josh McDaniel's and what he could do for Derek Carr, and Derek Carr has all those weapons around him. So uh, he was asked, Coach Marks was asked, if McDaniel's, as an elite play caller, could actually get more out of Derek Carr than what we've seen so far from his previous coaches. No, no question. And, and I think the – I go back to that word pragmatic and having the ability to change. When you isolate yourself in an offense and that's what you do and you don't change much, yeah, then, then things are you're going to have a lid on it. But when you explore every week some new avenues for your players and your quarterbacking and create some things, and he's very bright and he'll do this. And I watched him do it in New England. It changes everything dramatically. And it also challenges these players, and he'll do that. Um, to win with a set of plays, and this is what we do, you can't do that anymore and win the league. You just can't. So, and I think that he's bright enough to know that you've got to, every week, have something a little bit different for him, isolate him based on who you see, and he's done it in New England. He'll do it there. You know, and that's what I get pretty fired up about, and Raider Nation, I think you should get fired up about as well, is that he doesn't go in and say, okay, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do, and this is, this is it. This is it. There's no getting. There's no getting outside the lines. There's no getting freaky with it. He is a guy that has the opportunity to get a little freaky. Whereas it is, hey, this is what we're seeing, and this is how we're gonna, you know, counter what you guys do really well. That's something that we saw last season, Demond. Right when when New England played Buffalo and they ran the ball, what it felt like 95 times as opposed to three rushes. Right? I mean, they just ran, ran, ran because they said, hey, we can't throw the ball in this game. The weather's not gonna allow us to do it. But this is how we're gonna beat you. They took what Buffalo did well, and they countered it with what they knew they were going to do well, and that's how they end up winning that game. Oh, yeah, like the only thing that matters about that game is that they only threw the ball three times. So I don't know how many rushes that it was on the stat sheet. Felt there, like 100. But And they just couldn't stop it. Like you said, like you mentioned earlier, coloring outside the lines, getting freaky with it, however you want to phrase it, Josh McDaniels can't do it. So when you mentioned earlier, hey, Josh, um, Josh Jacobs, he wasn't running with the ones, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. But he is not going to be getting 50% of the carries for this team this season. I just don't think so with all the running backs that he's liked to use in the past, as like one of our texters said. So, man, I'm excited to see what this offense is going to be just because he is an elite play caller and what he can do with it. But like you said, man, it's getting freaky with it. There's just going to be so much to see with this offense. I mean, there really is, and you bring up a great point. You know, just because Josh, and I, this is what I was trying to say earlier, is just because he wasn't running with the ones in particular when we were watching doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. That just means that, hey, in this formation, in this situation, in this drill that they're doing, uh, they had someone else in there because they were going to do this, that, and the other. Again, that's going to – matchups that's going to situations and that's something that Josh McDaniels really does well so coach Mike Martz uh, engineer and the guy the brainchild behind the greatest show on turf was on the morning tailgate this morning and he was asked about coach Josh McDaniels what makes him so special okay so I think his experience with Bill Belichick number one but when he became a head coach here at Denver initially he knew what he knew and he was pretty pretty committed to just being in that circle uh, second time around, he's expanded, and I think, I think to be a really uh, good offensive coach in, in that realm, you have to be pragmatic, and you have to identify what you have, and how to use it um, 
to the best to their best ability. And I think he gets that. And I think they were in that transition there in New England. There was a year there a few years back where they had a lot of tight ends, not so many receivers, and they highlighted the tight end position. And you know, not many people can change years within the system and do that. And he's experienced that. He understands that. And being pragmatic is number one as an as a play caller and offensive coordinator. You've got to adjust your people in the situation and change gears in the middle of the game if you have to. I think he's learned that uh, his second time around with New England. I'm not sure he had that initially, and I think that's a, I think that's the biggest uh, selling point to me about Josh is his maturity and what he's learned through the transition. There's Mike Martz right there talking about what makes head coach Josh McDaniel special. And, DeMond, I know we only got a couple more minutes left in this hour, so we're going to jump around a little bit. Let's go to E. Let's go to where Mike Martz is talking about can play calls or scheme help an offense when the offensive line may struggle a little bit. And, look, the offensive line might struggle a little, especially to start with while they're still trying to gel. So is there something that an elite offensive play caller like Josh McDaniels can do, some kind of scheme it up to help out, you know, help assist with that offensive line? Well, I apologize for not knowing who the offensive line coach is, but that it really kind of starts with him. Uh, I do believe that the really good offensive line, when you take them separately, generally the great offensive lines individually, they're just they're okay. But when you put them together, they become exceptional. That's what we had at the Rams. And we had Orlando Pace, obviously, but the other four guys were free agent, late-round draft picks and – you know, one of them had just gotten back from Europe in that league and had surgery in his neck. You know, none of these guys were remarkable by any stretch of imagination. We became the best line in the, in the league in one year. And a lot of it had to do with how well they gelled together and trying to take advantage of some of the things that they can do so well and not asking them to do things that, uh, you know, a lot of different blocking schemes, you know, the running game, you know, a lot of double teams, that type of thing. Um, I do. You just want to get moving in the running game and not run sideways. Uh, those things, you know, simple, you know, basic fundamentals of the offensive line, old school type of thing. In the passing game, you know, now that you're in the shotgun, get the ball out quick. You know, move them around a little bit. Hard play action. I would say this: the best thing that they can do is uh, throw the ball on first down off a of play action, hard play action, and that's where you get your money. That's where you get those big plays, and I'm sure Josh will do that. But I wouldn't worry about that offensive line. I think injuries are always the thing that, that hurts it. But I think once they get going about one quarter of the way through the season, they just kind of gel and become, when you have more success you have, the more confident they become in just being physical. I like that answer. I mean, very detailed answer right there from Coach Mike Martz and said, hey, look, we had Orlando Payson with the Rams, and then we had just – you know, some Jags, just other guys, you know, undrafted free agents, late-round guys, guys that came over from Europe. I mean, just had other dudes led by Orlando Pace. Now, Orlando Pace is a hell of an offensive lineman, uh, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer. But, you know, he's basically saying there's things that head coach Josh McDaniels could do, and winning helps. The more that they have success, the more winning that they have, the more confident that offensive line will be. Thought that was some really good breakdown. Again, I encourage you to go listen to the whole interview in its entirety. Coach Mike Martz with the morning tailgate from this morning on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920. 3.56 is the time when we come back. We'll kick off hour number three. We'll be talking to our guy, Lincoln Kennedy. He joins us every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. to talk all things silver and black. This is Raider Nation Radio.